Croc Elite, a podcast about no effects. Oh no, I can't believe it. We're back from seeing the Constitution burn. The White House has been overturned. We've seen the blue blood bleed red. It's Eddie French and Red Redmond for the Punk Rock Elite podcast. Hello. How are you doing, Red? Hello. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yes, good, thank you. I panicked on the intro, could you tell? No, no, and I think we can sort it out in the edit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, By which I mean, leave all this in. How's your week been? Uh, Yeah, mixed week. There's been ups, there's been downs. Uh, But let's concentrate on the Punk Festival, which was last weekend, which was was brilliant. It was, wasn't it? Yes, this is the first record... uh, we've done since the uh, Manchester Punk Festival. Big, massive respect and admiration to everyone who organises the Manchester Punk Festival because, I mean, so slick, it probably shouldn't be referred to as punk anymore. <laughs> they, I, I was talking to the organisers um, mm. and they were just saying how this year in particular, like they just know what they're doing. Like they, they've yeah. done it for so many years now. You know, they, they actually felt like it, it was going well. Normally you meet them early in the festival and they're very panicked. They're very on edge, but they were calm as anything, just enjoying themselves. Yes, absolutely. We, I saw um, Shout Louder podcast record at uh, Sandbar. Great. Which was uh, all of the, or not all, I'm, I don't know how many organizers there are, but there were definitely three of the uh, uh, organizers Ooh. there. Um, and so uh, the Shout Louder podcast is uh, an occasional podcast. Uh, but do listen out for it because there'll be one coming very, very soon, which will be the record. It's Pictionary, in fairness. So I don't know how... In podcast form. In podcast form. I mean, they were playing it live for the audience um, because uh, it is a live medium. But uh, yeah, and so that was quite good. Um, I enjoyed that. Um, uh, Quite good. It was very good. And uh, yeah, and spoke to uh, Sarah Williams, uh, who is part of Shout Louder and uh, one of the organizers of the uh, Manchester Punk Festival. Mm -hmm. And she seemed for it was Sunday. uh, It was probably about midday before anything was really getting going. Yeah. She seemed very optimistic, well rested and um, just about uh, managing or managing pretty uh, admirably, really. So I think, yes. That backs up your uh, your observations. Absolutely. Saw some great bands. Would have liked to have seen more. Um, yes, me too. Uh, but saw some great acts. I saw uh, Fresh Punks were really, really great. Uh, we saw a, a, a Japanese punk band whose name uh, I did not catch in Red Shed, um, who I love very much. Mm. Um, and yeah, saw, just saw a, a few minutes of uh, not enough of Melon Ball, who I uh, enjoyed uh-huh. a lot um they uh they had some real bad religion vibes going which uh, i enjoyed a lot that was in breadshed as well because uh, it's just the five i say just just the five venues i don't think they've expanded it to more venues this time which i think is very smart yeah i think they're gonna they're trying to keep the number of venues down particularly with one of them being rebellion which is mm. so far away from the others i yes. think now it's sort of like rebellion gorilla breadshed the union uh sandbar uh, and then maybe Zombie Shack, um, right. but like all within a very walkable distance. Um, you know, it's it's different to a lot of festivals because it is an urban festival. It is in the center of Manchester, yes. but it's it's all very walkable. It's all very friendly. It's got. You're a lovely never far vibe. from a Sainsbury's. <laughs> 
would recommend it if you know like if you are into punk music you're based in the uk mm. you've got to go to manchester punk festival it's one of the best weekends of the year because the good thing is is you can just get the train into the center of town yes you're not far get your airbnb or your travel lodge or whatever it's not sort of peak season it's always around that sort of beginning of april time so it's not like people are going to manchester for the climate <laughs> uh you know the 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 balmy climbs of april manchester but um uh, although actually the weather was pretty nice as, as i recall so i'll shut my mouth but yeah you can get airbnb for a few days or you know whatever you like and it's um or if you're random hand you can just sleep on sarah's floor absolutely yeah i saw saw robin uh from random hand a friend of the podcast they played on the friday played a show in Belgium on the Saturday and then wow. on the Sunday uh came back to just hang out uh, and uh yeah so that was good incredible yeah. I, I think we were quite lucky being on the comedy stage as well because yeah. you know at a festival on Saturday and Sunday morning if you are feeling a little bit like tender and you're not quite ready for bands mm. uh the comedy stage ran 3 30 to 6 30 and it was a yeah. good way of you know like you know maybe you'd had enough of a double kick drum uh, for the afternoon, maybe you needed a couple hours off. You could come into Sandbar, sit down, have a drink, have a pizza, watch some comedy, and then get back to it a little bit later. Yes, absolutely. And I think um, I I think that it's always good to have a palate cleanser of some kind at a festival. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. I, and that is what we were. <laughs> we were an amuse bouche. Um, <laughs> we, we we were literally amusing mouths. That's our job. Absolutely. So yeah, no, it was very, very good indeed. Um, and yeah, I, I, I very successful all around. It was, uh, it, it was weird. There was, um, it, it started very full uh, on Sunday. I think that was from the uh, the Shout Louder podcast and and the poetry that was on afterwards as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, the comedy, and so there, there were still people in the room for that, and we, um, we sort of rode that wave a bit. A little bit of a lull in the middle of it, but then by the time uh, Andrew O'Neill finished, it was pretty much a full room. It was way fuller than I saw yep. it last year, certainly. So, absolutely, yeah, success yeah. from that perspective. Absolutely, and I think we need to get like um, I'd love to get some of the people that performed on that stage onto the podcast for interviews. I think Sully, who emceed the yes. first day, would be a great guest for us to have on the podcast. Absolutely. Well, you know Sully better than I do. Well, I know Sully uh, fairly well, but uh, yeah do it because we've had musicians we've got music industry people coming mm-hmm. up people who work uh rather rather than playing the music we've got uh all sorts of things everywhere it says we'll be interviewing comedians we've yet to do one yet so we'll get <laughs> at least one. Oh, we've interviewed each other so yeah okay we're fine yeah but to allay my own concerns we'll we'll do some more of those shall we do a new section a new section a new section yes i'm going to Ooh. Pop it up on my phone because we have had messages from listeners. Oh, lovely! I didn't even tell you this, did I? We've had uh, we've had a couple. I've, I'll just read a, read a couple. Uh, two people have got in touch specifically to let us know that favouring Eric Melvin, yeah, is not a universal constant. Okay, sure. It's not that when that he is not the speed of light anymore. Okay, <laughs> it's, um, both of them favor the same alternative member okay so someone wants to point out they're not anti-melvin 
because I think I said something to the effect of if there's any anti-Melvin activists out there, and I was being flippant. I, I do. I think it would be really weird to go. I, I really do love No Effects, but that Melvin. <laughs> uh, someone else who said that. So whilst they like Melvin, they, they favour someone else. Can you get? Can you guess? I mean, we haven't had Fat Mike yet. So do they just like Fat Mike? Uh, I mean, they might do, but uh, that's not who they chose. They both chose Smelly. They both chose uh, Eric Sandin. So, I mean, well, that means that, uh, if anything, that just confirms that, you know, we do have a top two. <laughs> At the moment, uh, I mean, there's, what it, this is like Rotten Tomatoes. It's like the critics' <laughs> choice and the uh, and the audience review. Uh, <laughs> they don't line up. So, uh, but that's it, I guess. So um, if, if you do have a favourite, if you want to... Uh, answer any of the questions do let us know at punkrockelitepodcast at gmail.com or you can go to our website and contact us through there or send us a message on insta if you like um if that, i don't know if our, if our messages are open if they're not then sars um so yeah so that's uh, that's pretty exciting thank you ever so much to um let me see kira and uh steven uh, those two in particular who uh, have got in touch to let us know that uh, we appreciate it greatly and it's nice to know that people are listening at all <laughs> but that, that's the bit that we find baffling so uh, thank you uh, now we've got an album to review today oh yeah we do. If you've looked at the title of the podcast, if you're someone who goes into these with uh, gay abandon, uh, utterly blind, then I admire you, but um, you'll have seen <laughs> which one we're doing. We are doing them in order as well, so uh, predictability and all that stuff. So we should probably leap onto this music sting and get into the main body of it. Uh, the next time you hear us, we'll be talking about S&M Airlines. <laughs> S&M Airlines. Lovely. Good, good, good little uh, link there. Yeah, um, I practiced it. Um, that was the fourth take, if you're listening at home. Uh, so, SM Airlines. Red, you hadn't listened to it before at all, had you? I hadn't, no. Um, I, I, I was familiar with a couple of tracks off of it, in particular mm-hmm. the opening track, Day of Day, or Day, Day to Days. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, I think this is the... F- I mean, now I know this is only the second album we reviewed, but mm-hmm. this is the first album of the ones that we've listened to, which it really does feel like a no effects album start to finish. Um, mm. My immediate thoughts are that this is almost like a mini pub, uh, a mini pumpkin drublick. Oh, it's like, it's like a taster. Goodness. You know, That's like an, like an entree to their later greatness. Okay. Right. So uh, the really sort of, coming together well uh, you know that the first album um liberal animation uh-huh. uh, i found the vocals in particular not completely unrecognizable but certainly different to later no effects whereas yeah. here in snm airlines i i do I, I can hear all of what the band will become yes i think so um this one is um, much more Rich Kids on LSD influenced, mm-hmm. even though the first one was very much so. I agree. I think there are aspects of it where you go, oh, hello. That's that's a thing that's going to become yeah. more prominent or slightly more sharpened. I think everything's a bit sort of rusty. Oh, not rusty. It can't be rusty because they haven't got there yet. <laughs> you know, rusty sure, when you sort of yeah. slack off a bit, but it's basically it's it's dull. They, they're they're hue, they're they're sharpening up what it is they're they're becoming, and 
I think the production is um, better on this. Yeah, definitely. It's not... Um, well, I mean, I think it took longer than three days. I don't know. Um, it it doesn't tell us much. It just says recorded March 1989 on... Um, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page here. Through Epitaph, uh, there was no re-release. It was just uh, how it was. And Oh, no, beg your pardon. The album was recorded and mixed in only six days. Right. Okay, so, so they gave themselves twice as long. Twice as long. I mean, and that's why I think this is the record where they sold out. <laughs> this is the Punk Rock Elite podcast. We've got to take stands somewhere, and I'm taking one here. Six days for 14 tracks. Oh, soz bloody Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. <laughs> and and one of them is a Fleetwood Mac track. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that wasn't originally on the vinyl release. And also features uh, a very low-in-the-mix Greg Graffin from Bad Religion. Oh, really? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Graffin was also one of the harmon- one of the singers who did the harmonies on like the title track. Brett Gerwitz did it as well. There's actual harmonies on this one. There's more than yeah. one vocal t- a track, and I think that's what they spent the other three days on. I also, I think one of the most important aspects of this album is the emergence of um, a theme, which is obviously like heavily involved in NoFX's later work and particularly in Fat Mike's life. And that is like, like sexuality, really. Um, Yes. I've heard Mike say in an interview once, um, he was asked by a fan, what now you've done so much in your life you know uh, music production uh, you've worked in the music business what is the like the one medium that you think most expresses you or it's it's your favorite to in terms of like self-expression yeah and he said it was his sexuality so like not an answer that people would necessarily expect people think like, like oh yeah stage said, or whatever i think i've seen that interview um or i've certainly seen one where he expresses a similar sentiment uh, where he said that if he if he could only do one of the things that he has done, yeah. it would be spend the rest of his life getting pegged. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm I'm removing all nuance from the answer for comedic effect there. I uh, before anyone gets upset, um, that's and it's fine if that if you want to spend the rest of your life getting pegged, please do. Um, that's absolutely get grand. it, king. Absolutely, work it. So. Um, <laughs> have have all of that but yeah i think he said that uh, his exploring his sexuality and um and pursue i think he said pursuing it which is a a great <laughs> a great way of putting it but yeah pursuing his sexuality is is that thing i'm fairly confident that with snm airlines we're jumping forward to that song but it's the title track so why not um he sings i'll never fly snm airlines again mm-hmm. the idea being that he experienced all of this but didn't enjoy it with yeah. a sort of um musical beard he <laughs> <laughs> was like he sings about all of this stuff and he's like no 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 that's that's not me you know he sort of sings about bondage happening to other people then liza and louise and um all of those kind of songs and doesn't sort of identify himself within it but you know that's how a, certain a lot of kinks start Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, we know that now, but in 1989, I don't know that the world was as um, fluent in closeted kink terminology. I think the moment Mike stopped hiding his own predilections and uh, taste and sexuality, 
was pretty much when he stopped writing songs about lesbians doing a bondage on each other and just started singing songs about dominatrices doing a bondage on him. Sure. I, don't, I think I think that lines up because before it was like stories of um, everyday lesdom. And then when he was like, oh, wait a minute, I, I'm being honest about it now. Yeah, I'd ideally like to be Liza in that situation, please. <laughs> I think that could be it. I haven't. That's just a theory, by the way. If uh, <clears throat> if anyone knows to the contrary, then uh, of course I'm uh, happy to hear that. Yeah, no, I think you're completely right. Also, just a side note: I've just noticed on my phone that our Insta story has been liked by Brian dot Acab, and I-, I think we've definitely found our target market. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Brian dot Acab. Um, yep, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Couldn't ask for much more, could you? So there's 14 songs on this. Oh, sorry. No, there aren't. There are 12. 12 songs on this, 11 originals and one Fleetwood Mac cover. Yeah. That's half an hour, 33 minutes, nearly 34. Take that away. So that's about 32 minutes of original material. Four songs are written by Mike and Melvin. Yeah. And the rest are all Mike, except for the Fleetwood Mac one. Doesn't have Dave Casillas on guitar. This has got Steve Kidweiler. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 So sure. we've got a different second guitarist. According to Wikipedia, this is a punk metal album. I'm pretty sure it also uh, said that of Liberal Animation as well. Very possibly. Um, I mean, it, it's a it's a melodic hardcore album. Uh, they get more melodic, but it is melodic nonetheless. Yeah. Apparently, it sold three thousand five hundred copies upon release. Okay, so that's, that's numbers in it. But um, so yeah, so this is on. Uh, this is in nineteen eighty nine. So I think in between Liberal Animation and S and M Airlines, Suffer by Bad Religion was released. Ah, was it really? Yes, I think that was nineteen eighty eight. So my theory there is that um, the sense of melody probably came from what many people argue to be, if not the first, then one of the more important melodic hardcore albums. One thing that I noticed a difference between this album and the previous album was on Liberal Animation, you would have a lot of songs where they would, you know, change the the tempo and drive of a song halfway through constantly mm. and there was a lot of like chopping and changing of uh, particularly like 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 speed um yeah. whereas with this album it seems a little bit much more like later no effects which is you know songs start and end at roughly the same pace mm. and i think that's quite a a bad religion thing to do as well i mean like particularly on like something like suffer so Yes. I wonder if that has any element to do with that. I don't know. Two of the big pillars of No Effect or Fat Mike's influences are Bad Religion and Rich Kids on LSD. Yeah, absolutely. And musically, this has got a lot more in the Rich Kids on LSD camp because mm-hmm. it's still sort of riff driven. It's still alternating guitar parts back and forth and all the rest of it. And those big, long sort of intros before you get to anything like Mean People Suck. There's virtually no lyrical, as we found out when we did your fun trivia, there's sort of no lyrical substance there, particularly. It's very, very sparse on the words, but musically, it's it's builds, it's got all sorts of stuff going on, and that's a very RKL thing. And I think that 
perhaps it's easier to come up with sort of riffs and stuff like that than it is melody and lyrical ideas. Mm-hmm. Perhaps some people may find that the opposite way around, but I think that sort of, you know, the music can come quite quickly. Whereas working out what you want to say in a song and the melody to it, that's more difficult. So I think that's possibly where that is. But also you've, if, if you're heavily influenced by bad religion and you have Brett Gerwitz producing your record for you, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you've got something, uh, hence why there's, you know, big harmonies on this. There's actually more than one vocal track on yeah. this album, you know, in, in uh, the, that final chorus of S&M Airlines. And it is slightly jarring having that big, ah, uh, stuff in the background. It's sort of, yep. it doesn't quite fit, <laughs> which I don't mind, but it is slightly like they're trying something and that's always to be applauded. So I think uh, it's also like, you know, listening to it now, knowing the band that NoFX become, I yeah. feel like it makes loads of sense. I, I totally understand. Like if I was listening to this with fresh ears in 1989, I, I, I completely agree. It'd be like, these these vocals seem a bit odd. But because I know the band that NoFX are going to become, it makes so much sense. It does. And you can't really listen to this in a vacuum, unfortunately. Mm. You, can't, you can't come to this without some context because even if you were to give this to someone who'd never heard of NoFX or something like that, they would probably like you know some reaction video type situation they probably would go okay this was released in 1989 and already there you go oh okay that makes (laughs) it a different album to if it was released yesterday yeah absolutely but i mean so what's your sort of sort of overall impression were you pro or um you know how do you feel this weighed up as a very i'm 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 pro it that I, i do think one thing I will say, particularly following liberal animation, is a lot of these songs kind of blend together for me. Like with liberal animation, I, I still to this day, like I really can remember the separate tracks, even like, mm. you know, album tracks like I Live in a Cake and Beer Bong and stuff like that. But mm. with this, I do think a lot of the songs are very similar. Um, I think, yeah, they're slightly more... Um... Yes, I agree. I, I think you're right. That there's I not, don't know there's not much like change in tone. I mean, like, you know, on liberal animation, there's a couple tracks that are heavily acoustic. Yeah. I don't believe we've got any acoustic tracks here. No. Um, you've got uh, sort of songs like Vanilla Sex and Life O'Reilly. Yeah. Are quite, because obviously Vanilla Sex has just got that sort of strummed single guitar thing. And it's mm-hmm. a lot slower. It's a lot more it's a song you could sing on an acoustic guitar yeah just by yourself i mean you wouldn't be invited back to that open mic again but you could do that (laughs) whereas day day to days no not really you can't so you've got those kind of um more strummy singing like but basically a, a melodic song it does have like sort of you know heavy guitars and stuff in there, but it doesn't need them for the song to sort of function properly. Um, mm-hmm. And Life of Riley, um, there's more slow stuff on this one, I think, because Vanilla Sex is a, is a mid-tempo song. Life yep. of Riley, it's got that. Um, it starts with that scar thing, but it also has that. You know, it's got a a much sort of slower, more groove-based. Yeah 
kind of bit in it. So there is there there are little bits of variation and stuff like that. But overall, yes, I think I, I see what you mean. I I have to say I I did enjoy this uh, album again. I enjoy it as a sort of historical artifact more yeah. than I enjoy it for itself. S&M Airlines, that's nearly five minutes long. That's insane. It is, yeah. And you can tell, you can see why they named the album that because, I mean, mm. it's it's so much longer than any of the other tracks. And I can see why they've really made it like a centerpiece of the album. Yes, well, they sort of, they sort of ramp up to it. Um, oh no, Jaundice mm. dies quite long as well. That's nearly four minutes. Screen for yeah. change. They start off with some, with about with five sub three minute songs. It's nice to see that they weren't just doing the same thing again. In yes, that sense. definitely. Yes. Although there yeah, are yeah. some similarities, I think the the production's a little. It's a little less metal. So yep, little, definitely. a little, the guitars, there's less gain, there's less distortion on them and stuff. There's still some heavy stuff, but you know. I wonder if that's due to the, you know, the, the change of guitarist, because it, it did seem like the previous guitarist was a little bit more of a metal fan. Maybe. I think that they've always had kind of metal-y second guitarists, though. True, yeah. It means there's some cool solos in here and uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, let's have a, a, a sort of a look through uh, this. There's a couple of, oh, there's, yeah, that's one thing I noticed on professional crastination. Yeah. Which starts with that, that sort of fairly lazy reggae vibe thing on it. Mm-hmm. When it goes, it starts off like that, and then it goes into a hardcore bit, and then it drops back down to just that. There's a guitar line in it that clearly they wanted to be a trumpet or a trombone because <laughs> they like the the melody sounds like the sort of melody Hefe would play sure um but the i think they've switched to the neck pickup and and um they've sort of cleaned up the guitar a little bit and so it's got this non-guitar feeling guitar line in it mm-hmm. and i thought that was interesting because i thought well were they gonna look for a, a, a horn player but maybe not you know just for the for the studio and they're like clearly just we've only got six days we can't go around making friends now so um (laughs) so that was uh, an interesting one so i think that were they to like you was thinking if they were going to tay this right up and Mm re-record it i imagine that that would be a trumpet line rather than the guitar line i just thought that was a an interesting note that i had yeah no i think that's a really interesting point as well Mm. um because they are, you know, like these first two albums, and I hadn't really considered it, but they are very hornless. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think uh, we'll be having the same. Uh, again, it isn't until... Uh, longest white... Line, maybe? I'm not sure. There's Oh, there's Kill All the White Men on the Longest Line, isn't there? Mm. Yes, yeah, so that'll be the first appearance of it that I can think of. So, And we're still a couple of years away from that. And and also, they just they get better at Scar, thankfully. <laughs> Because it's not their strong suit at this point. Uh, the hardcore stuff they can actually do really, really well, but the uh, the scar stuff is um, needs work, which is fine. They put the work in. So, what are your highlights of this album? This album, um, I 
like um I like professional crastination a lot. Mm. Um I was very familiar with uh You Drink, You Drive, You Spill and Life of Riley, because yeah. they're on um I heard they suck live. I think Life O'Reilly's made it onto the greatest hits. Oh, possibly. Maybe. It's um it's got a good baseline and stuff like that. And also I think it is kind of interesting because it does have that groove to it. It's it's not a common thing for them to have that kind of vibe. But uh yeah, I think that works. Jaundiced Eye is yes. good. I like that one a lot. That might mm-hmm. be my favourite one on this album, but I think I agree with you. I think uh, Jaundiced Eye is the best track on this album. Uh, it's really, really good musically and also lyrically. It's sort of, it's funny about how it's sort of this very anti-racist song <laughs> with clarity yeah. in the lyrics. There's a uh, a maturity in the lyrics, uh, and it's on the same album as Mean People Suck. <laughs> it's a nice blend. I like, I'm impressed with it. You know, it's, um... I have a theory with mean people suck. Yes, is is mean people suck? Fat Mike's way of of making like their own Nazi punks fuck off. <laughs> it does sound like a very childish Nazi punk f- punks fuck off, right? doesn't it? Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's a funny one. Um, I. I don't know. Um, it's possible. It could be a thing of he's mocking people who go, oh, you're being mean. Oh, mean people suck. And then pointing out that people suck in general. He goes, no, <laughs> mean people suck. People suck. But, I mean, I can't believe we're devoting this level of analysis to mean people suck by no effects, <laughs> to be quite honest. But we should be ashamed <laughs> of ourselves. Um but yeah, it's possible. It's absolutely possible. It's certainly not as catchy as Nazi Punk's Fuck Off. And that's no. essentially a grindcore song. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, an interesting point. You know how you were very amused on Liberal Animation. The first song mm-hmm. ends with a Black Dog Breakdown. Yes, absolutely. Well, did you spot the Led Zeppelin song on this album? I, so like... Now, I can't remember exactly, but I remember listening through the album and going, is this Led Zeppelin? I remember having that moment. I don't remember exactly when it happened. The beginning of Drug Free America. Yeah. It's got the cashmere chords. Of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're sort of like, instead of it's like they're like the strings are being plucked all at once by uh individual fingers like how weird so yeah drug free america star i don't know if they did that as purposefully as the actual black dog riff well i wonder if they had to pay some royalties for the black dog lick and that's why this time round they were like oh let's play it a we'll bit disguise different. it i don't yeah. know because this is going to be this is sort of every time we do an album review or an album retrospective we're going to be like right now where is the bit of led zeppelin there's a bit where smelly plays the drums it's that like, was a led zeppelin it's like in an episode of seinfeld with the the superman yeah there's yeah a, you got to find a model of superman in every episode of seinfeld yeah absolutely yeah the thing I like with John Dishman, uh, one of the things I really like is that when it starts off, the drums have got this swing to them that sounds like Kiss. Okay, yeah. No, I mean, it sounds like yeah. it, it, it's it's got 
it's got that sort of beat to it that sounds like sort of 70s kiss and i think i think most drummers of smell most like rock drummers of smelly's age tend to all have some sort of thing of like oh well yeah i really enjoyed kiss yeah because that's just you know they were just that they were a massive rock band at the time and you go well yeah i liked rock music so kiss are obviously a very divisive band even before you get to the personalities of the members <laughs> i think there's a wider spread of musical influence on display here even mm-hmm. if only subtly but because no effects do sort of full on jazz and sort of tijuana brass style songs and stuff like that in the future i think it's uh having little flavors of it here like you say it's that thing where you see what's going what they're going to be yeah absolutely absolutely and i I just hear it more here than i have in you know we're still early on we are we're only on the second second album but i i really i can really hear the band they're going to become Yes, and I I think that's uh, and that is an exciting prospect. I imagine if you'd if you'd picked up liberal animation mm-hmm. back in day, if you were one of the nine people who bought that, and then you were one of the three and a half thousand people who bought this, um, because most people would have had this as the first No Effects album. Yes, sure. Because uh, as we know, um, liberal animation got re released in like two years after this one right so this because this was the first one on epitaph the other one was essentially a self-release so if you were one of the oh, people is this on epitaph did you say this is this was on epitaph ah, this is the first the first one to be released on epitaph um and so that gets released three and a half thousand people buy it some of those people will have been the however many who bought the original that sort of black and red um yeah. covered liberal animation and it would be interesting to know what what that experience would be to go from what liberal animation was to what this is and go oh that's um you know what sort of a leap would that have been you're going oh well there's definitely something it doesn't sound exactly the same no yeah which Sometimes punks don't like. Um, yeah, do, do you think there would have were there accusations of them selling out this early on? Uh, probably, it's punk. <laughs> sure. I mean, some people sort of go, oh, "I can't believe that band have had their first rehearsal." I used to like them as well. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, come on, guys. Um, there is something about you know. I mean, there are people who talk about people selling out when you know they can afford to do it without living in a box um i've never understood i mean my my own personal and this might not go for everybody my own personal mark of if you've sold out is if you've released an album or done a thing or made a stylistic choice that you wouldn't have done freely if money were no object fair you know what I mean? I think it make you know, there are when uh Rancid released Indestructible, mm-hmm. they signed a distribution deal with Warner Brothers. It wasn't mm-hmm. a Warner Brothers record, they didn't have no. it, but it was just literally to distribute it, to send it to places, to get it out there. Yeah. And people were just wrenching their earlobes off out of sheer despair at the great sellout of and all this stuff. <laughs> I'm like, not really. 
a great album as well. I, I enjoy Indestructible. I, I like it a lot. And um, and I didn't notice it being particularly different to any... I didn't go, this is a radical departure for Rancid. You know, the, the, no, the, band, the band who put out that, you know, in, in a row, they put out Life Won't Wait and Rancid 2000. It's like, they don't... That's, you know, one's a sort of a world music, ska, reggae, rockabilly, punk rock blend. The mm-hmm. other's like these tiny little two-minute hardcore anthems and stuff. It's like, that, that's not weird for them. It's the sort yeah. of thing that they do. Yeah. And, that, and, you know, it's um, whether whether listeners like that record or not, it doesn't, that's not really the point. It's not like they were putting out stuff you know i mean like these days have you heard any recent papa roach um i can't i can't so like i i have in passing i, I couldn't yeah. name a track or anything no I've no heard no bits, and it just sounds like more refined papa roach it is but there's some stuff that's really really poppy oh like right with, yeah sure. like with pop production aesthetics sure. and stuff like aesthetically pop rather than just catchy Right. And it's like, well, do they want to do that? Pfft, maybe. I, I don't care because I don't like Papa Roach. <laughs> but, you know, it. so it doesn't really... I've got, no, I've got no skin in this game. But it's like, well, if that is literally what they want to do, then great. I like it when people make the thing they want to make. Whether I enjoy it or not, I just like that. Yeah. Because you can tell when someone is doing something that they don't believe in. You, you can you can smell the authenticity yeah absolutely. To, to to a greater or lesser degree so you know um and i think that you know again with these albums because because there's no real risk that you know when you're making your first couple of albums and no one knows who you are yeah there's a you know the risk that you're taking is not as big as the risk the record label's taking mm-hmm because you're just like, well, this is what we do. We're going to record it and put it out. That's exciting and what have you. Whereas the, you know, whereas when you get, you know, these days the scrutiny that a band like Metallica must feel they're going to be under. I mean, they're wealthy yeah. enough for that not to be a problem, and they've got enough diehards that are going to just buy that record anyway because it's new fucking Metallica, you know. So I don't know what the point I was making. I think it's. I think this is sort of a risk-free album from their perspective. They can put yeah. on it what they want. Absolutely. No, I think. I think that's really. I think that's really astute. I. So, I think a question that I've been wanting to ask all podcast. Oh. Is, what are your thoughts on "Go Your Own Way" the Fleetwood Mac cover? Um. As far as punk covers go. We should probably do an episode all about cover versions. Yeah, good no idea. Effect, no effects and in general. Because the punk cover can be a thing of pure joy. And mm-hmm. it can be one of the laziest, most boring things a band can do. Sure. This one is neither. Yeah, I agree, yeah. Uh it it lands within <laughs> it lands between those two poles. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It is not <laughs> something I look forward to. It's nice to hear. Yeah. Greg Graffin and Fat Mike on the same song. 
that's yes. just a sort of um that's just a nice treat it's like um television by bad religion tim armstrong sings uh verses on that and it's like there's rancid and bad religion it mixed up together in one song yeah great love that that's uh that's wonderful but it it feels it wasn't included on the lp it was only added on the cd and cassette version and it and it sounds like it sure it doesn't sound like part of the session if you know what i mean yeah no i i absolutely absolutely like you wouldn't be surprised if this was something that they did for a comp that they went oh, actually that's better than we thought should we stick it on the album because mm. it doesn't really do anything with it it's sort of it's the same speed as the original it's got the same solo it's got the same you know everything it's got some nice harmonies um yeah. but yeah it's not no effects have done much better covers uh but it isn't like shocking well i would argue okay um that uh you yourself have done better covers <laughs> i have yeah yeah I, 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 did, I did i did loads of punk covers through uh lockdown for um for something to do and a lot of them are like genuinely quite impressive little bits of music production oh well, thank you but like that was mainly the exercise they have i i feel like the covers i've heard of yours yes uh have been slightly better arranged than this but as as you said this sounds like you know um they just sort of like jammed together and like chucked it together for a is it yeah. for the, just for the vinyl release did you say or was it no no, no. Uh, it didn't appear on the vinyl release uh right. it appeared on the cassette and cd when those came out not forgetting that mike is a founder member of me first and the gimme gimmies yeah of course yeah he listened to about 60 songs mm-hmm. for the me first and the gimme gimme's love their country their country yeah. music one he said i listened to about 60 songs whittled it down to 20 and from that we chose 12 to record because um because he's not very into country and stuff like that you know i mm-hmm. I, I imagine for the musical one they did the uh, the are a drag i imagine that those he likes musicals more than he likes country music. So, you know, but, but yeah. he said that sometimes I'll choose a song that I don't like, but it'll be good for the gimmies to do. Or it's like um, the, the actual, the chord progression or whatever will work for a sort of a straightforward punk band better than others. So um, I think, um, yeah, like I say, it's sort of one that it's not going to make any of my, Eddie's best punk covers records, but it's not one where you go, this is super fucking lazy and boring. Does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What about you? Um, you know, it's uh <laughs> it's an interesting track. I, I I just think it's um it falls into the same things that as you said, you know, punk covers are tricky to do. Uh, you know, not everything is in perfect four four like most of most punk songs. Yeah. Um and I think that there's a couple, you know <sighs> timing issues, particularly with like um, you know, I think them desperately trying to fit a NoFX drum sound over a Fleetwood Mac song. Um yeah. but I, I I agree with you. I I can't say it's a failure. I I, no. I think it sits firmly in the middle between good and not good mm. and I think you appreciate the effort. Yeah. Um 
I think um, it's also a I, good choice. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, as far as catchy songs go, yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's that's grand. I think um, it's strange because I I don't know if when faced with a clearly much more capable singer at this point in their careers. Mike doesn't try at all because <laughs> some of his vocal takes are fucking shocking. Well, there are, it, it's almost like it, it's a novelty song. Uh, it is. Yeah, I, yeah. I think Mike in particular has recorded it as a novelty song. I suppose those are the two types, the two types. I suppose those are the two genders of punk cover, aren't they? There's the, uh, <laughs> there's the sort of novelty. Look at us. We're doing, we're doing this song. Isn't that silly? And yeah. the sort of rather earnest, cover where they're sure. like this means something and i'm going to take it seriously um <laughs> or going or going to treat it seriously rather than take it seriously one of the best punk covers uh as a little recommendation for you all is wuthering heights uh kate oh, wow. bush's wuthering heights by china drum who are a punk band from the northeast of uh england uh sort of um tyneside sort of way and um, it was a secret track on their first album, Goose Fair. And it is heavy, it's melodic, it's it's brilliant. It's really, really good. But it's done so seriously. Like, there's no sure. sort of, there's no, like, sort of little wink at the camera. It's like, I'm singing a song by a last lake. You know, there's none of that kind of, you know, <laughs> none of this sort of thing. Um, whereas I think... Um, but I suppose if you do a song by a serious artist, mm-hmm. um, uh, air quotes, like Kate Bush has got a lot of humour and a lot of peculiarity in her work, but she takes it very seriously. She doesn't take herself seriously, but she takes the work seriously. One of those kind of artists. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a difference in doing that than, you know, I'm sure there's probably a dozen bands who've done a cover of Barbie Girl or something like yeah. that. Something where you're dealing with a disposable type of song. And, you know, go your own way. I suppose, you know, Fleetwood Mac are not a not a punk band or a punk adjacent band, you know. So it could be a song that was done in like a sneery way, or it could be one that's done in a, hey, actually, it's just a really good song. And, you know, we're all about songwriting, you know. Um, and <laughs> I don't know which version uh, they're doing, but uh, uh, yeah, it's it's fine. I th- uh, in terms of punk cover recommendations, oh, yeah. I'd highly recommend uh, Bad Religion have a Christmas album oh, that, that is good. delightful. It's uh, top in it. Yeah, I love that one. It's really well made. Like it's it been is. really well well arranged. They've yep. genuinely thought about it. It's uh, it's an impressive little album. Yep. Uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing is my favourite one on that. Yeah, one. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and Oh Come Oh Come Emmanuel. They're my two yeah, highlights. That's a good one. We should into the artwork of S and M Airlines. Yes, absolutely. Because it's um, it's really good. I like it a lot. It is a, uh, a sort of a, a red sunsetty skyline with uh, clouds very high up, and there is a massive dominatrix riding an aeroplane. <laughs> uh, she's got a whip. She's holding that up in the air, about to crack it. She's in um, uh, a bustier with um, suspenders, stockings, and high heels. Oh, she doesn't look pleased. 
and no effects so the top SM airlines at the bottom um yeah it's by a guy called ed repka yes who is very um very industrious has worked on worked with loads of artists so much stuff a lot of thrash he's done a lot of thrash albums yeah a lot of metal um megadeth you know, he's done a lot of megadeth he's done <laughs> let me i'm just i'm looking at his wikipedia right here one two three four five six six megadeth uh covers wow and and it's also like you know peace sells but who's buying no one is the nice guy rust in peace like some of the big ones as well for megadeth some of the he, uh, he worked uh, on the hellraiser films as well he designed some models for the hellraiser films uh which would have been around the time that he was doing the snm airlines cover as well yeah. so uh that's cool he did circle jerks a year or two before this um yeah so death metal is he's done a lot uncle slam that's cool um <laughs> i just didn't know that. oh he's done a venom cover as well that's cool i like venom his wikipedia page points out repka admits that despite being known as the king of thrash metal art he is not a big fan of the genre he's more into the punk genre like the misfits lovely yeah, so there you go. I didn't know Megadeth had a uh, had a, a mascot like um, Eddie from Iron Maiden. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. There's this called Vic Rattlehead, <laughs> <laughs> and he designed that was designed by Ed Repka. So um... <laughs> I didn't know <laughs> what Vic, Vic Rattlehead Rat- has his own has his own Wikipedia page. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, he looks like Eddie from Iron Maiden. He looks a lot like him, yeah. Illustrated mascot of the American thrash metal band Megadeth, Vic is a skeletal figure who wears a suit who embodies the phrase see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil, as well as a symbol of censorship. His eyes are covered by riveted on, by a riveted-on visor, his mouth is clamped shut, and his ears are closed with metal clamps. But if you could hear what he was thinking, he's thinking, you can't say anything anymore. Yeah, well, to be honest, if his eyes, ears, and mouth are clamped shut, then he's the one enjoying himself the most at a Megadeth concert. Fucking hell. Well, I just think they're shit, that's all. Um, <laughs> nothing per- Actually, no, it might be personal. No, it's not personal. That's uh, a brief a brief history of Vic Rattlehead. <laughs> <sighs> no effects should have a mascot. What would no effects's mascot? Well, no, it's oh. Eric Melvin. I mean, it is Aaron Melbourne. No, um, no, 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 no. They must. Uh, um, that's a very good question. I don't know. Would it be called Bob after Bob? Ah, uh, very good. Yeah. So overall, S and M Airlines. Would you recommend? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, for no effects fans, I don't think this is going to turn you on to them if you're not a no effects fan. No, but I do recommend to fans of the band. Yeah. Uh, again, it's got that historic. I'd recommend this sort of slightly more than liberal animation. I think it's not yeah. got the historical. It still has the historical curiosity thing, but I think it's much more recognisable as a No Effects album, as you said earlier. We're not at the vintage point yet. We're not the the one in the meme, the guy with the girlfriend looking at the other girl while holding hands. We're not at that point yet of heads being turned. So the next one we're going to be doing is Ribbed. Oh, ribs! Not maximum rock and roll. That's a compilation. Ah, okay, okay, it's yeah, a comp- yeah. And uh, and I'm sorry if this makes you hate me, but this will be the uh, ribbed is the first NoFX album that was recorded within my lifetime. 
<laughs> yes, yes, it is. Yeah, that's just how it goes sometimes. All of them were recorded comfortably within my lifetime. I think we probably will do the important EPs when they crop up in the chronology. Sure. And we'll go back and do all of the other stuff at some point or other. But, um, you know, like the decline needs its own episode. Yeah, sure. The longest line, because it's the first one with Hefe, it's where the um, where the whole current vibe of no effects starts but this is um this is close a little more mature although it's only 25 minutes long which is great great yeah yeah. i've heard a couple tracks off of here as well and i I do think it's got some some great stuff on it yes i think this is the first one where you comfortably will go oh yeah no this is this is good as a whole and you mm-hmm. might even offer it to people who like underground music if you've got any questions on uh, or questions or comments or anything like that about snm airlines let us know punk rock elite podcast at gmail.com but we're just going to uh take a quick jump over to the outro uh, and we'll be there in a moment <laughs> outro so red <laughs> good episode today good talk do it up Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's it's a good album. And I think yeah. it's it's just where like so much of Later Narfax comes from. It's yeah. been lovely to listen to it. And you know, like I know that it feels like a little bit of an obvious progression from their previous album, but yeah. in a lot of ways, I feel like this could be a, a completely new band. Like there's there's a lot of elements that are taken out and replaced with other things. I, yeah. I see real progression here. Yes, I think that this is an album that probably has more to offer academically than musically, but that's Mm. not to say it doesn't have uh, musical chops. And I think that there are, yeah, I think that it's it's a little less metally. It's there are times when melody is being attempted more so, and that's um, and that's a good thing. And again. Stop something like Vanilla Sex, which is a slow song. It's mm-hmm. mid-tempo by song standards, but slow by sort of hardcore standards. And it, and like I say, you could you could strum that on an acoustic guitar, and it would still function the same way as a song. So um, I think that's uh, yeah, I'd say that that was a success in context of what's come before. Absolutely. We want to be grassier and rootsier. So if you are a grassroots venue from anywhere, if you are a grassroots act, if you're a grassroots promoter, if you do something punk rock, be it musically or sort of punk rock culturally, let us know. We'll let people know about you. We want to tell people about cool grassroots stuff. If you're in a band and you honestly think, honestly now, honestly think that no effects fans would be interested, honestly, <laughs> then uh then let us know we can uh we can put all your details in the thing we'll get the word out as best we can yeah lovely i, th- I think that's uh we've got the tiniest of platforms so we hope that platform will increase uh which you can help with by letting people know about this uh, letting them know what we do and uh, you can show them the first one and go, oh, yeah, you can really see what they were going for. And then the <laughs> second one, you go, oh, yeah, there's progression. Um, I liked it when Ed Red got rid of Eddie and got a new 
a new one uh, and then eventually red will find their hefe and this will be a much better podcast but anyway um we'll They've uh, actually we'll... gotten worse on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> yes well there's always room for that and uh, don't least... think we the they there is actually quite accurate, really. They've got worse life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because mm. you don't know whether it's both of us or just one of us. <laughs> it's a very polite way of doing it. It's like, no, we're saying both of them, but we know which one is worse. Um, <laughs> if you are less than 100% comfortable with the uh, Melvin Praise vibe of the podcast so far, let us know if you uh, if you push against that. Uh, we th- There's no wrong answer as to who your favourite member of NoFX is, unless it's like Ben Weasel or something. That's, that's the wrong <laughs> answer. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next time. You got anything coming up you'd like to plug? Um, oh, do I? Oh, I don't know. We've been sli- slightly preoccupied with the Manchester Punk Festival, and now that's over. We've got this void yeah. in our lives. I had I had Manchester Punk Festival. I did a wedding yesterday. So no. you know, like um, did were you with the officiant? No, 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 I wasn't. Oh, that's a shame. They they did they had an Elvis. Oh, re- oh, right. They had an Elvis that did an Irish accent for some reason, and I was what? I was sat there thinking like I was like I don't know I have Irish family. Should I be offended? I don't know if. Am I offended? I don't well, know. Thank you very much. It was a bit much. <laughs> like, it was quite a lot. That's wild. Like, dearly beloved, we are here today. I'm like, oh, I don't well, know. Well, I think, was I think... the impersonator from Ireland? No, no. Right, okay. Very so British. It wasn't, just, it wasn't just they had some bloke from Cork who had the wig. Yeah. But... I, you know, I watched, I watched uh, The Wind That Shakes the Barley last weekend. I don't know. It <laughs> makes me feel a bit weird. <laughs> yeah. I watched Banshees of Inner Sheeran not, uh, only uh, a few days ago. Oh, and, I'm so uh, sorry. I enjoyed it a lot, but I like films. I like films where nothing happens. But <clears throat> I'll end this podcast on a hot take. Okay. Sure. Uh, so there are some films that are universally liked that I just, uh-huh. I don't understand. Okay. And there's been two in recent years. Right. Uh, the Lighthouse was uh-huh. very boring, <laughs> and Banshees of of Inishirin was worse. <laughs> worse. And I'm the only person that thinks this. I'm comfortable you're in not. that knowledge. I know I you're hope, not. Hope you all have a lovely time. <laughs> but I I really liked Banshees of Inishirin, but I I. <laughs> I am an insufferable film cunt when it comes to this kind of thing <laughs> because I, if something just presents me with a mood and asks nothing more of me, I'm actually quite happy with that. Fair. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really, really good. Um, but that is the sort of film that I do enjoy. I like all sorts of things, but well, you know, I. I Watched Something the remake I... of Evil Dead the other night, and that was much more my tone. Fine, uh, I've not seen the remake of the Evil Dead. It's good, um, it's unless good. you count unless you count Evil Dead Two. Fair, um, good. I like uh, that. <laughs> yes, actually, that's uh, that's what a <laughs> that's what a um, a two two in uh, media studies of a degree will get you. That's, uh, that's you know, like how bands sometimes have secret tracks at the end of their like albums certainly we've got a secret film podcast at the end of this no effects <laughs> podcast oh as if we couldn't be worse twats um <laughs> hey there it's the white film review well, I actually finally thought were... yeah good. <laughs>
I don't know how I hadn't seen it because it's precisely the kind of film I'd want to watch. But uh, my girlfriend and I watched The Shape of Water, um, which she had seen, and I now that is yet. good. Oh, it's wonderful. Absolutely I mean, Guillermo wonderful. del Toro is amazing. Have you have you seen Nightmare Alley yet? Because I think that's not, his best. I've not seen Nightmare Alley yet. No. Oh, um, so good. Saw, saw his Pinocchio. That was good. Um, and then uh, and his Cabinet of Curiosities or whatever it was called, the um, uh, anthology series. I think it was on Netflix. I really enjoyed that. But um, the. Um, it, it, they were both very green films. So I don't know if I was just in a green mood because the, everything in Shape of Water is this a beautiful different shades of green. And Banshees of Inishirin is obviously the Irish countryside. Mm. So it's th- there's just something fundamentally green about those two films. So I don't know if I've been primed by... I was not going to watch House of Flying Daggers next or something, but it was like <laughs> I've, been, I've been primed by Shape of Water to really be receptive to overly green films um maybe <laughs> that's why but i did i did enjoy um i, d- I don't know why I, I, it, there was something about it i think it was um I, I think there's been there's been so much sort of wham bam special effects shit of late that yeah. anything that is a palate cleanser to that i get very yeah. very pleased about so it it but you know it doesn't matter. I I enjoyed it, and for whatever reason, that that that's fine by me. I can totally see why some people wouldn't, because the amount of times I talk about films I like, and people go, "Absolutely not." <laughs> that's all right, isn't it? it just feels like a first draft to me. I'm like, "Come on, Martin, what are you trying to say?" Anyway, um, this isn't <laughs> what again, people listen I, to. For. I don't know. I don't know. We could. Man, well, have to set up another Instagram. Um, I don't know. I I just feel I sometimes. In fact, this does relate back to no effects. Because Mike has said that he really likes writing songs that are about personal things that happen to him that people can't work out from hearing the lyrics unless you already know the story. And I feel that Banshees of Inisherin feels like that to me Mm, yeah yeah i will say it's i completely agree with you on the point of like it is refreshing where a movie is you know it's a straightforward drama it's not about special effects it does feel like um it is unique when compared to other movies that are coming out right now it it's a it's an atypical film and that is a, a nice thing to see uh Every so often, and uh, but equally, I really enjoyed the Dungeons and Dragons movie. So I'm not acting like I'm too good for everything. <laughs> I've heard a lot uh, of people say that, though. A lot of people saying that. I really, I, I, I thought it was, um, I, I thought it, it to do something with an an IP as massive as Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. which is the same as the amount of output that there is for like the Marvel and DC films. The amount yeah. of stuff is just huge. And to sort of go, right, how do we do this without just listing off a load of names of places? So people go, oh, they said Neverwinter. Oh, they said that. Oh, they said, they said Baldur's Gate. You know, it, how do you do that naturally? And I mean, naturally, insofar as there's like centaurs and shit walking around. But, you know, naturally <laughs> in general. Yeah, and, and um, yeah, uh, really, really good fun. Um, I didn't like how work it was. 
with it walk were there were there women that were not in distress do you know what there were a woman right and she did more than bloody men i thought i didn't come watch this was there a black man what was good at thinking do you know what he spoke dead nice and i was like well i don't mind that bit but then he helped out loads and i was like well that just won't happen no work 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 it will work it will work it will work <laughs> I'm not having it, it will walk. Um, <laughs> good. Um, Lovely. Yes, well, uh, we'll see you next time on... Uh, it's going to be a really short outro. Uh, <laughs> we'll see you next time on Punk Rock Elite. Thanks a lot, Red. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to Punk Rock Elite. It was a pick scraped and fruitcake co-production by Eddie French and Red Redmond. If you're not following us on Instagram or subscribe to the podcast, please do. The main theme and production was done by Eddie French. Please contact us at punkrockelitepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you.